Internet Brand Strategist, Sandra Beck, interviews top business coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to bring you the best business tips, tricks, and techniques to give your idea the best possible chance for success. From writing your first novel, to telecommuting from home, to taking your small business to infinity and beyond. Now here's your host, Sandra Beck. guys and dolls. This is Sandra Beck and I'm so excited to talk to you today because we've got this great guest coming on. His name's Chris Nielsen and he is an expert in coaching and family and all the things I love especially about how to negotiate some of the things that are happening in our world happening in our own families and then also reflective of our businesses and many of you work from home like I do. You have a home based business or you own your own company um, and that's all well and good we're somewhat insulated or isolated that way but there's also some of you that are also like another hat I wear I go into companies and I coach and I direct and I do lots of things Um, and as a result I come into contact with a lot of people and one of the things that we're going to be talking today we're going to talk about inoculating ourselves and our family uh, from the negative messages of society and you can't pump gas today without having the news blaring in your ear. I can't go shopping at many of my shopping centers without seeing some screen promoting something and and you know hawking this information that may or may not be worth my while and more often than not it's very negative and I'm a former journalist. I'm a trained journalist from Northwestern University. I'm very proud of my background. I'm very proud of the work I've done in the news industry. However, the news that was the news when I was growing up and when I was working in the field is very different than the edutainment or the education and and the entertainment factor of news today. It's not really news anymore. So... Um, I'm going to bring on Chris, Chris Nielsen, and Chris, I'd love you to introduce yourself to our guests because I really want to talk about, we can't really shield ourselves from the negative messages that are coming through. They're everywhere. So we have to do something about the choice. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, it is not my day, um, <laughs> but we're going to, we're going to soldier through. I think I'm getting a cold, but, um, what do we do? It's there. It's everywhere. And so, introduce yourself, and let's like get right to the topic. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah, it's it's a big topic of mine lately because if you're not aware of it, like you mentioned, all these things that you're aware of. If you're not aware of these things that are affecting us, actually programming us. And I said to a friend the other day, even if you hid your kids from the world, they're going to get secondhand world from all the other people they come around, even ourselves. So there's messages, constant messages of you're not enough, you're not good enough, you, you, there's something wrong with you, so you need to buy this product that you really don't need. They need to, the commercial part of the, our society is pumping out these messages all the time. So we need well, to buy stuff that we really don't need. And a little background about me, I do uh, awakening coaching, parent peak performance coaching. I love to help people. I did an improv training this morning. I do a little improv training for nonprofits as well as corporations, and one of my favorite things to do is work with the Alzheimer's Association in the living in the present moment uh, for caregivers. So I'm out there to make a difference in the people's world, and I would love to help any of your families out there today with some of the things that have made my life better and easier. 
Well, and I, you know, I, I just want to hark back to a different time. You know, when I grew up, I lived on a lake. We took our water out of the lake. We um, ate mostly local produce from the local farmers, and and we had one television station, and it got like Sault Ste. Marie, and I used to watch the, the Canadian National Anthem. You know, when they'd go off the air, they'd play the American National Anthem and the Canadian National Anthem, and that was it for TV. And I was from a big family, so fighting for TV time was a big deal. The biggest battle in our house was Little House in the Prairie versus Monday Night Football. <laughs> and you can pretty much guess who won that round. Um well, but you're my, pretty strong, so I was thinking maybe you. <laughs> maybe me. Um, but my point is that the news we got was primarily from our neighbors. It was primarily through our church, where everybody attended one of two churches in town. And it was from the meat guy in the meat department at the market. I mean, we cared about bigger things, but we weren't exposed to bigger things. And so if a family lost their house to a fire or, you know, they had a virus sweep through their livestock, you know, everybody came together and everybody mourned. And, you know, when somebody died, everybody showed up, you know, there was a lot of that going on. But now we're getting messages from what's going on in Cambodia and what's going on in Korea and what's going on in Afghanistan. And, you know, we're inundated with all this news and my question is were we even designed to handle this amount of catastrophic input because you know we're, we're only human and for thousands of years we were only responsible for our neighborhood yeah yeah I think you make a great point there I don't at least most of us haven't adapted to this incredible amount, or we have adapted in a way, to this incredible amount of information that just pours at us daily. Uh, emails, um, texts, phone calls, all this stuff. That's why so many people are screening so much, because you have. To, it feels like you have to screen it to, to maintain a level of sanity. You and, do. Yeah, and, and I, too, grew up in a day where I, was, I think it was three or four TV channels, and they actually went off the air. And there wasn't as much, there obviously was commercialism there, but it wasn't in everything. Like the news wasn't as commercial. The news, they reported facts. Now it's opinions and how can we be the number one news program, not based on number one in terms of sharing the best facts, but number one in terms of the most people that watch so we can charge our advertisers the most. Right. It's, it's, it's entertainment. It's yes. not news. It's entertainment. Right. And, you know, it's funny because every once in a while I'll watch, you know, I'll catch something like my dad's living with me now. He's 84. After my mom died, he moved in. And so, you know, he still has that perception to a great extent that what he sees on the news is fact because he grew up in the Walter Cronkite age. You know, this is the news as of whatever. And, um, you know, I had that perception until I worked in the industry, you know, and then they killed articles of mine because it offended a large sponsor. And they um, asked me to go and sensationalize things. And this was for a national paper. This wasn't for some little, you know, podunk little, um, you know, article generator for the local bee. And it was about revenue and it was about, you know, how many 
how many issues do we print and how many of this and how many of that. And I, from an economic standpoint, the MBA in me says, okay, I get that. Like we have to make a living. We have to, everybody needs a salary. Advertising dollars are what makes this possible. But Chris, when I went to work for Disney and CBS, I learned very quickly that even the arts on television and the entertainment on television is not necessarily about quality. It's about product placement. It's about advertising dollars and, and grabbing that interest. And Can you share a little more on that? Because I think that would be good for some people to hear that, that they're actually purposely placing products to sell stuff because people are turning away from commercials now. Right. So so it used to be many years ago that all you did was decide whether or not on Friends, Jennerette Franiston was going to drink a Coke or a Pepsi. And there's, you know, tons of money in whether she's going to pop open a tab of that or not. Then there was a backlash of people going, well, we're not going to have any products. And now I look at, like, if you watch things carefully, you'll see advertisements lined up with certain shows. You'll see advertisements lined up with certain themes. You know, um, it's not surprising if you go back to the tool time you know or forget what that show was called and then there's craftsman tools you know being advertised and gee is he using craftsman tools in his workshop i mean um everything is intertwined and merchandising is everything so you know you look at kids shows today we're not really designing children's television to be educational and informative and enlightening we're there to sell t-shirts video games and plush animals and keychains and all the other merchandising that goes along with it and nintendo figured this out really quick you know they they captured the market on minimal storyline repetitive you know addictive behaviors that are stimulated by these actions and merchandising and so, yeah, so there's a constant barrage in what, you know, as we were talking about what topic to t- touch on, inoculating our kids against the messages of society. And so one of the things is to be aware that it's coming from everywhere. And so everywhere. You're, yeah, you're just pointing out everywhere there's messages. And I think, what was a statistic that was shared with me the other day? It's when young women and actually women of all ages open a fashion magazine 70% of them are depressed within the first three minutes. Oh, easily. And well, I can, I can tell design. you something funny about that. I did, yeah. um, I, you know, I've done some print work, and I did some print work um, a couple years ago for a catalog. And, you know, they wanted me because I was medium size and I looked like my age, and I wasn't trying to be anything that I wasn't. And they took my picture, and I thought, this turned out pretty good. And when it actually came out, I looked like a cone head. They had taken my shape of my face and, like, pointed my head and, and drawn out my forehead so my forehead wasn't short and broad. It was long and skinny. And, of course, my <laughs> brothers are like, oh my god Sandra you're the cone head the cone head lives <laughs> and I don't know whose standard of beauty that was I never thought about it it's not like you can suck in or grow your forehead um, right. so <laughs> I never really thought too much about it but I thought wow there was somebody that took my likeness and thought I needed a different shaped forehead like what does that say it's it sent a message to me and you know and then I was like god do I need bangs like what do I need to do to cover up this this misshapen forehead but that was the message it sent me and every time I look at a fashion magazine I compare myself to those pictures I mean it's it's organic it's natural 
But I don't think, and I'm going to take, oh, sorry, to commercial break, but Chris, I'm going to challenge because I'm raising boys, and I will tell you, they look at men's health magazines, they look at stuff online, and I don't think this is just for young women or women in general anymore. I think men are being dragged in, or I know my boys are, into the right clothes, the right look, the right body type, the right style. I think it's it's a much bigger problem than we give it credit for. We're here today with Chris Nielsen. Chris, where can people find more about you? Uh, thank you. Uh, ChrisNielsen.com, and that's C-H-R-I-S-N-I-E-L-S-O-N.com. There you have it. So we're going to talk about these negative messages um, and, and where they're hiding and what we can do about it and where you might not even expect them. We'll be back after the break. Your success awaits after these messages. It's words you never heard. It's well known in medical practices that patients tend to lie about their health habits. They lie about how much they smoke, understate how much they drink or eat, and overstate how much they exercise. What's another word for those little white lies we like to tell in the examination room? Teradiddles. Doctors have a rule of thumb. Whatever the patient says they're drinking, smoking, or eating, multiply it by two. But it's hard to come clean about your habits when you know you're in for some jobation from the doctor. That's criticism we don't want to hear. If physicians want us to be honest with them, I suggest they try being a little less judgmental and use a little suaviloquence. That's soothing, encouraging talk. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. What we eat has a big impact on our weight, but when you eat can also make an enormous difference. Women's Health Magazine says that eating at the appropriate times throughout the day will help maximize fat burning and reduce hunger. They recommend to eat within one hour of rising. Breaking your fast and stabilizing your blood sugar sets you up for good eating habits the rest of the day. Plan to eat every three to four hours. Timing your meals will improve your fat loss by preventing excess insulin, allowing leptin to do its work on metabolism and appetite control, and balancing cortisol. Lastly, never eat within three hours of bedtime. Eating close to bedtime interferes with your sleep, and that increases the likelihood of overeating the next day. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Coach Talk Radio returns. Here's Sandra. guys and dolls this is sandra beck and i'm here with chris nielsen and we are doing our state of the family address i guess that's what it is for today and we're talking about inoculating ourselves and our family against the negative messages of society now when chris and i were talking on break i told him kind of a funny but not so funny story about my family i have two sons and one is in sixth grade and he's 
very, very tiny, very, very slight. We're lucky if he makes it to 60 pounds. We actually get excited if he goes over 60. And my other one is 14. He's three years older, and he is six foot three and 220 pounds. Now, neither kid is, is unhealthy. They're both absolutely healthy within their bodies that were designed for them. But the funny thing is, Chris, I've got this little tiny, like who I call my tiny dancer, and then I got my big monster, you know, like my big monster. Yep. Kid, yep. and both of them are very unhappy with their bodies. They look at magazines. They look at the ideal standard of manhood. You know the the bulging muscles, the the, the beautiful skin. The sometimes they're they've got hair. Sometimes they don't. Some of them are masculine. Some of them are feminine looking. And you just go, what the hell? Like both of them are healthy and beautiful in their own way, but they're ashamed of their bodies. Yeah, and that's, I think, as we were talking before the break, you talked about it affecting your kids and men um, just as much. And, uh, yeah, it, men are affected now. There's a there's a conscious part of advertising to make people self-conscious about how they look. And if you're self-conscious about how they look, um, you know, it changes everything. It makes things so much more difficult. It's, it's, so, it's, so, it's so much more just show up and do your thing. And, you know, I used to do a lot of public speaking in, in public forums. Now it's much more digital, so you can control your likeness a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was pregnant, I went and did this, like, young president, the YPO down in Long Beach. And I was like, you know, this big belly out to here, you know, and I was trying to get into my high heels and wear my suit unzipped in the back. <laughs> I didn't want to buy any, like, you know, maternity work clothes that would only be good for, like, a month. And um, I remember that whole time being so self-conscious. Like, and this is a belly because it's a baby in there. You know, it's not like there's, like, 80, you know, dozen donuts in there. It's a, you know, I'm making human life. But I was so embarrassed up there, and I kept flubbing. I actually did a whole section twice when I looked at the videotape after. And what was funny is the audience didn't pick up on it. At least there wasn't, like, rustling and murmuring that I had repeated a whole section, but I repeated a whole section because I couldn't focus because all I could think about is, oh my God, if my skirt falls down, oh my God, you know, I had safety pinned it in the back under my jacket, you know, to make room for the baby. And, you know, the silly things we do to each other or to ourselves, like, you know what? I could have worn maternity pants with the blazer, but nope, I didn't. Well, you, you talk about it, too, and I, I talk about it in a speech I give, and I do a lot of uh, public speaking as well. And one of the things uh, I, that was a message for me as a kid, did you ever hear the commercial? Um, I think it was one of the antiperspirant commercials, like Right Guard, never let them see you sweat. Let them see you sweat. Absolutely. So I, as a kid, I sweat a lot, and that went into my head. So I started to not like hot days. Um, oh. Now, the good things in sports, I never had a coach so say, don't sweat so much, Chris. Uh, but but I did <laughs> did have people that guarded me in basketball that said, I don't want to guard him. He sweats a lot. And <laughs> so that right, You can't not sweat. I can't suck in my forehead. Like, we're even. Right. Well, this message was so powerful and negative in me that, you know, I, I didn't want to ask girls to dance if I was sweating too much. Or I didn't want to dance to a fast song because I knew I'd start sweating. Uh, it it stopped me from doing so much. And I, in the, one of the stories I tell about my public speaking journey, in eighth grade, I call it miserable middle school moment. Uh, I got up to speak a not prepared, hot day in school, and I just poured sweat. And my face turned a you know painful red. 
And I wanted to die. I wanted to disappear in that moment because I feel I failed. They're going to reject me. I'm going to die. It felt that powerful. And that moment haunted me ever since then. Even though I could talk back to it, it almost followed me as a body memory. And so this is a kid that took in this message, a commercial message, even when there wasn't as many commercial messages. That's why I think it's so tough today when commercial messages are everywhere. Well, it is. And, you know, when you look at like, you know, and I was I was really happy that Sports Illustrated did this, but um I felt like it was like Goldilocks and the and the, the 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 bears or whatever because it's like this bed is too big, this bed is too small. Oh, this bed is just right because they they released those three Sports Illustrated covers and they had like one girl who had like a rockin' six pack body and then they had like you know the body the you know the praying mantis stick figure in a bathing suit <laughs> and then you know they had our little punch pot um, in her bathing suit and you know and they really reflected just three different bodies and all of them were beautiful and intriguing and unique in their own way but when I saw the three covers put together and I'm like how would you even choose like how would you choose to have your body look like one of these three and it was it was interesting to me but it was a little disturbing going okay well now if we're going to we're going to focus on the variation of body size if you will are we going to focus on hair color next? Like you would have to make a gazillion type of Sports Illustrated covers just to feature the the type of of, of bodies that are out there in every variation, shape, and size. So to hold up one standard of beauty, but then to try to market to three different standards of beauty, I, I just I was so confused about the whole thing. I applauded their effort, but I but I was a little confused. Well, we are so programmed, um, like we, I was talking in the beginning, you get secondhand. Uh, if, even if you avoided all the messages of society, you would get it secondhand from all the people that have already gotten the messages from society. You know, if you, if you wore some kind of weird piece of clothing that everyone else wasn't wearing, they'd go, oh, what's wrong with you? And, and, and like, it, we had messages at, at our age, like, never let them see you sweat. I really took that in, and it, it did some damage to me. So how do you inoculate or help someone, a, a coaching client or a son or daughter, or how do you help someone against that? But one of well, the things my parents could have said is, hey, this is just, they're trying to sell you something you don't need, and th- this is one of the ways they're trying to sell it. In the bottom. That simple. So one of the things uh, you can do is just focus on what, you know, share with your kids what's the underlying message, whether it be in a movie, maybe even talk about product placement in a movie. Um, Look at your own life going, what have I bought into? I guess one of my friends that that I just, he, he changed my life in such a big way. He had all these people that were so attracted to him as a person. And he had this huge smile, and it's like he loved everyone in the room, no matter what they looked like. And I actually think society could be that way, where you're not as – your programming, this commercial-type programming isn't as prevalent, that you could see the beauty in everyone just as they are. 
Well, you know, I'm going to make a statement here, and I don't mean to say women are dogs, okay? <laughs> but <laughs> when I got my first dog as a grown-up, and I got to pick my own dog, I got this dog, Misty, and she was black and white. She was mostly white, and she had this big brown, like, spot on her hindquarter, and I loved her for that. And then I fell in love with this little dog, and then I got uh, her sister. You know, I bought one from the same litter, and we got Smokey, and Smokey was like the inverse print and I'm like oh my gosh how could I not love this dog completely different personality but then a completely different ball of fluff and when I got a little bit older after my dogs passed and my kids wanted another dog we got this dog and I let the kids name him his name is Chicken Nugget and Chicken Nugget (laughs) is He's like a composite dog. You know, he's a he's got like a terrier head, he's got a dachshund body, he's got fat stubby bulldog legs and then this weird tail that I don't know, I think he got it from a rat, I don't know. But yeah. He was all these things. And then what happens? Do I fall in love with this little dog? Absolutely, I do. And I look at human beings the same way. It's like if you look at the different number of dogs that are out there, how do you say what's the best dog? How do you say what's the most beautiful dog? And, you know, and then we're somehow supposed to do this with humans. Well, I think you're, you're right. I think dogs, the beautiful thing is they don't recognize uh, they're not. They're not sold. They haven't figured a way to get dogs to feel insecure about their looks yet. <laughs> and so, uh, if if they do that, maybe that'll happen. But they figured a way to make us humans very insecure about the way we look. I mean, I, I remember thinking there was a picture of me as a little kid with my stomach out, and I saw it. And after I started sucking my stomach in, and I was always in great shape. But even then, I was affected by it. I can't imagine now with the photoshopped in the, um, I, you know, we, I think we mentioned this kind of on break was that supermodels are insecure about how, how they look. They're photoshopped, they're changed, they can't even recognize their own picture in the stuff they show up in. Right. Well, it's like, you know, the, the body double cover for Pretty Woman on the cover um, of that movie uh, was not Julia Roberts' body. And, you know, you look at it and you look at this, you know, you know, gorgeous pretty woman on the cover. And then you look at Julia in the movie, who's beautiful, but it's just different. And it's always funny to me about who determines the standard of beauty, who determines like who determined my forehead needed modification. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm curious about these things but I will say one of the things that I did resign from an ad agency because they kept telling me we need to get into the psychographic of the single mom or the stay at home mom to say if you want to feel like a good mom you buy our product and you give it to your kids if you're working too much if you're you know juggling too much if you buy our product the advertising they wanted me to generate was to make that mother feel better about herself and I'm like first of all your cardboard box is full of chemicals and preservatives and it's not making her a better mom which is you know why why we parted ways but you know advertisers are sneaky it's not just about a good product it's not just about a good body they really want to get in and tap into our insecurities and our limiting beliefs so they can sell product absolutely so i mean if you can tap into someone's insecurity you're so much more likely to sell them something it's it's uh, i think someone told me on marketing we don't get up in the middle of the night to go buy vitamins, but we will go get up in the middle of the night to go buy pain relievers. If someone's pointing out an insecurity, it can feel like real pain. 
Oh, it is. You know, emotional pain is long and lasting and enduring, and you know, it requires a lot of a lot of different work than it is to get rid of most physical pain. I'm going to take us to commercial break. We're visiting today with Chris Nielsen, and our topic today is inoculating ourselves and our family from the negative messages of society. Now, it's chrisnielsen.com if you want to check him out. When we come back from the break, we're going to explore more of these negative messages, and we're going to talk more about what we can do to solve these problems and to make sure that we don't take them home with us or bring them home from school or share them with each other. Much better ways to share things than to share these negative emotions. a book titled The Art of Doing Nothing by Veronica Vien in our guest room by the bed. I'm telling you, this book is an impossible challenge. In the state of Maine, it's said that someone who bottoms chairs for a living is lazy, presumably because one's bottom is perpetually in the chair. To sozzle means to laze around or perform a task in a sloppy way. The word is mainly found in New England. A quote from 1848 describes the term as used by housekeepers in certain parts of Connecticut to refer to a lazy person. Other words for lazy people are abbey lubbers, scabberlatchers, and slaughter pooches. To me, the ultimate loblolly is someone who is too lazy to even fake like they're working. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Spring and summer are great times to go green. Choosing to eat green vegetables and fruit on a daily basis is a fantastic idea. Whether it's asparagus, lettuce, spinach, or artichokes, green produce is a wonderful choice full of essential nutrients. Green beans, broccoli, edamame, and avocados are delicious and very nutritious. Cucumbers, peas, and peppers contain lutein, which helps protect against cataracts and macular degeneration. Green fruits like grapes and kiwi not only taste delicious, they're full of antioxidants. Leafy greens are also excellent sources of folate, a B vitamin that helps reduce the risk of birth defects and helps keep our hearts healthy. So next time you're grocery shopping, choose fresh green vegetables and fruit and go green. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Coach Talk Radio returns. Here's Sandra. Hi, guys and dolls. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Chris Nielsen. And we are talking today about these negative messages of society and how we can inoculate ourselves against them. And, Chris, one of the big things that I think is really important is, you know, like in anything, is recognizing the problem, being aware of the problem. You know, when when my kids were watching TV when they were younger, I really tried to steer them towards PBS. But they, you know, they flip the channel around and try to watch what they want to watch. And... They would come to me saying, Mom, this X, Y, and Z is the greatest thing. Look what it can do. Look what it can do. And, you know, I would sit with them and say, look, you know, when you watch these things, they're they're not television. They're commercials. And these commercials are designed to make something look really great. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but not everything is really great. And that's such a hard concept to to impart to a kid until they 
buy it and then it sucks and then you're like see i told you you know what you saw on tv is you know not what you know the lego figurine head pops off and you know now the game is you know rendered unplayable um those are all hard lessons that we have to learn or the disappointment of an unfulfilled advertising message but when it gets down to the psychographics when it gets down to poking our insecurities hitting our pain points um These advertisers and these sponsors have enormous amounts of psychological data that they are armed with before they even start a campaign to sell a stick of gum. That's a a very great point. And and I think that's, you said it too, be aware, if we can just, one, be aware that they're trying to make you feel bad to sell you something that you don't need. Otherwise, you're not going to buy it. If if you're you're happy and satisfied, uh, those people don't run around looking for something to fill this vast hole that they're poking in someone. Now, I I tend to believe, and I put the programming out there, that we're all worthy and whole and complete just as you are. And, you know, part of the coaching I do uh, is from an awakening coaching uh, aspect. And I take people to this, this expansive place where there are no problems and fears. And when you can touch on it, you can kind of see some of that programming going, oh, my gosh, that's not even real. That's just a story I'm telling myself. And because of advertising, because of our culture, we've adopted all these crazy stories about ourselves. And I, I'm of the point of view, if you're, not telling your, if you're feeling bad and you want to feel better, start telling yourself better stories. Um, be aware, like you talked about earlier, be aware of the messages that are coming in the programming. Uh, be aware of these things we're hearing, like never let them see you sweat. I, I'm now owning that vulnerability. I raise my hand when I'm speaking uh, often when I am sweating and go, I am sweating. I own that vulnerability, and it doesn't have control over me anymore. Well, you know, and all of it's acquired, Chris. You know, I, I recently did a show on fear and was talking to people about fear. And, you know, we're born with two fears. This is what this doctor said on the show. We're born with the fear of loud noises, and we're born with the fear of falling. That's it. Everything else we acquire. We acquire right. these insecurities like they're, they're tchotchkes in our house or books in a library. And, you know, I really think that we have to teach our kids and, and take stock in ourselves. Like, what are our thoughts? What are our beliefs? What are our fears? And are they real? You know, I used to have this big fear when my mom was little and she was sick that she was going to die. When I was in third grade, my mom was very sick. So I carried this fear all the time that my mom was going to die. Now, here's the funny part. My mom's been dead for four years now. Every once in a while, I still feel that fear she's going to die. How crazy is that? It's already happened. She's dead and buried. You know, we had the funeral. (laughs) I grieved. But every once in a while, something will tug at my heartstrings and I'll have that fear that my mom's going to die. Learned wow. behavior, maybe. Yeah. But what, a, what an incredible example. And one of the things I use in the study of high performance and peak performance is when we, uh, the neurons in the neuron pathway that we have, that we built in, in ourselves, get what they call myelinated by a myelination uh, sheath. And the more myelinated they are, the more used they are, the faster that signal travels down that. So something that a program that we've really worked in is like a superhighway. And if and change is easy, I tell people, you can make almost any change very easily, but you have to pay attention because you're creating a new trail through, let's say, the, the woods, 
and you're chopping down the trail and it's not very, but you get bumped a little bit. Now you're back on the super highway and you don't even realize how you got there. And you may start kicking in another program that says change is hard. Uh, I can't really change. It's too tough. Um, but you just didn't realize you've been bumped and you're back on this where it's easy. It fires fast. And this it's old program, familiar. familiar and it kicks in. And your example is so incredibly good. Afraid that she would die before she would die and now have that same feeling kind of come up even after she's dead. That's a powerful example. Yeah, when, when I should never come to your seminars because I go to these seminars for, 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 you know, enrichment and for business. And they're like, write down your limiting beliefs. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm afraid I can't do this because my mom's dying. And then, oh, when did your mom die? Oh, five years ago. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but they're there. I mean, that's, you know, it's, 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 it's funny, but we all have them and we all carry them. And, you know, one of the things, Chris, that I found really helpful with this concept of, you know, this negative messaging that becomes ingrained or, you know, in your case, you explained how there's a biological component to this. But if you actually write this stuff down um, on a piece of paper and you read it out loud, you'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I believe this. (laughs) Because it sounds so stupid when you actually say it out loud. But in your head, in your programming, it feels real. It sounds real. It sounds logical. And I found this out when I when I started working with some new sales agents and I said, well, what are your limiting beliefs? And they're like, huh, what, what? And then I said, well, when you go to door knock or you go to pick up the phone to call, what thoughts run in your head? And I had them write them down and people are like, oh, I'm just another annoying salesperson or I'm just a a nuisance. You know, they had all these things in there that they had acquired, you know, because it didn't have anything to do with a loud noise or falling. Um, And I realized that, you know, we are so programmed, you know, programmed by this negative media. But don't you think that we need to sit down every now and then and take stock of what's in our own head? Very well said. And, and, and yeah, I would encourage then all our listeners that aren't driving to (laughs) actually take out a, a pen and paper and write down, you know, all the limiting beliefs. I'm, you know, I'm this or I'm annoying or my kids, I'm a burden or whatever it is. That it so like your example with salespeople. If you say I'm another annoying salesperson, um, how are you going to? Sh- who wants to be someone that annoying in someone's life? Um, but how about I'm a gift to this person that I can solve their problem. I can make their life easier. That's a great replacement program. It is a great replacement program. I mean, and we need them at every level. I think after a divorce, I had to take a hard stock look at some of the beliefs I carried. Absolutely. So I think let's take your example and let's change some lives out there right now. And so all you people down, uh, have the people write limiting beliefs, write all the negative things you say about yourself that you don't feel good about. Just write all those down and we can find a replacement program for any one of those. And you are... And this is what people don't know about themselves. They, one, they don't know the programs are running, just like you mentioned. Um, now that they'll see them on their paper in front of them, oh, my gosh, I'm running all these programs. Um, the fears you talked about, two real fears, the rest are programs. Um, and then the other thing is you can change any one of them. You are a self-programming being. And you can change your program anytime. So people out there, um, be hopeful, be excited. You can change your program. And if you have other people you care in your life, you can be a great example for others. 
And I think that's one of the most positive things you can do. So as you look at these limiting beliefs, and I've had so many limiting beliefs, like the never let them see sweat that stopped me from doing so much. It was incredible. Well, yeah, I can expand on that. Maybe we lost Sandra for a second. Um, so my favorite thing to do is write down that you are, or one of my favorite things to do, you are the author the producer and writer of your own movie. Let's be the star in that movie. Let's write yourself a heroic role versus a villain role or a victim role. You know, Chris, I think it's it's really important that we rewrite our own stories because when people die, you write their story. And you write their story from the perspective as you saw it. And if you're like me with a big family... You know, my brothers and sisters, my dad, my my aunts and uncles, they all had a different story about my mother. What what what's the right story? So what's the right story for you, Chris? That's that's a great point. And I think the the right story I don't even go right anymore. What what serves you what serves you to the, the best degree? What really works? And I had the idea, um, love what works. Find things that work or serve you in a better way. It's like a lot of um, parenting, which I, I focus on a lot, is that parenting from a conditional point of view, you may think works because it gets them to do a certain behavior, but how does that affect them in the long run? And giving conditional love doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to love someone conditionally. It feels really good to give unconditionally and let that energy flow through you. And it feels really good to be loved unconditionally, no matter how you look, no matter your behavior or whatever. And some parents go, oh, oh my gosh, you can't do that. They're not going to behave. Yes, they will. The life will change around in such an incredibly positive way. Right, because the difference is instead of your kids being afraid of you and minding you because of fear, they can mind you because they don't want to disappoint you. And I will take the second any time over fear-based parenting because you just have to keep escalating the bigger stick, the bigger this, and it, it doesn't work in the long run. Yeah, and, and, and fear is not the kind of relationship I want to create with anyone. Fear is not... Um, creating a relationship it's creating like you said you got to keep escalating the bigger stick and the bigger stick because they're getting bigger and more independent and you we're passing on then the use of these you know conditional loving sticks right so okay i'm going to take us to commercial break we're visiting today with chris nielsen and chris your website again uh chris nielsen.com and that's c-h-r-i-s N-I-E-L-S-O-N dot com. And what can people find there if they go? They can find some, uh, some blog posts, some talking to me. I love to connect with people. So if, you, if something's resonating with you, reach out. Email me, chris at chrisnielsen.com. Um, I, I love to share and talk. It is, you know, this is so important what we're doing because you can change one thing today and and start reaping the rewards immediately. What we're asking you guys to do and what we do for ourselves is not just a one-time thing and it's not just a one and done. It actually has a ripple effect. We're going to talk more about some of the solutions we have to these problems when we get back from the break. Your success awaits after these messages. 
about the Gabrielunzi bear caught rummaging through a refrigerator in an apartment in Colorado? The tenant heard noises coming from the kitchen and saw a bear with his head in the fridge looking for anything it could eat. What's the word for food that's unfit for human consumption? Ma wallop. The tenant locked himself in his bedroom and called for help. What's the word for the fear of bears? Ursophobia. We have lots of bears near our Colorado cabin, and we have been told that pepper spray will keep them away. But the idea that it would keep a 500-pound grizzly bear from attacking seems ridiculous to me. I think I'll try the pepper spray on myself and hope the bear doesn't like spicy foods. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Let's face it. We are all aging, and our bodies are changing. Our muscles tend to get tight and stiff as we age. But simple stretching can help with the tightness and stiffness of your muscles. Always stretch after your workout and not before. Your muscles need to be warm before you start stretching them out. Never force a stretch. Don't get to the point where you take the stretch too far and hurt yourself. Be sure to breathe. Breathing helps send that oxygen-rich blood into your muscles. Aim to stretch daily, but make sure you stretch at least three times per week. Keep your body flexible and pliable. Give priority to the muscles that you use the most in your workouts and in everyday life. Don't neglect any major muscle groups. Stretch, breathe, and relax. It's so good for you. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Coach Talk Radio returns. Here's Sandra. Hey, guys and dolls. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm visiting with Chris Nielsen today, and we're talking about how we can inoculate ourselves and our families from the negative messages of society. And, you know, Chris, we used the term limiting beliefs in the last segment, and one of the things I found with some of these things is we can't, we can't know how to fix something if we don't really know what it is. And I want to give an example of, you know, let's say you're trying something new. You're, you're going to a new class or you're, you're maybe thinking of applying for a promotion at work or, you know, starting a new job. And you think about picking up the phone or sending out that email. Stop for a minute at that point in your mind and then come up and sit down and write all the awful things you're thinking about yourself. Like, I can't do this. Nobody's going to hire me. Who's going to want to talk to me? You know, this is just a waste of time. You know, there's a million of them flying around in there, if you're like me. And put them down on a piece of paper and then read them out loud and see if they're true, because most of them aren't true. Right, and even if you think they're true, uh, they still may not be true. (laughs) Um, Like my forehead's too big or I sweat too much. That program may be so deep in there. Just write down, I love what you said, write down the awful things that that run through your head. And we used the salesperson example earlier. And, you know, I wanted to give a shout out to my friend that connected us, uh, Michael Miller at Homeland Magazine, homelandmagazine.com. He has, he makes sales fun and playful. And so, so he's got in his head that this is a fun, playful thing to do where other people have it in their head where this is scary. I'm a burden. I'm a nuisance. Their, their, I'm a nuisance. I'm ruining their time. And if when you have those program messages in your head, those awful thoughts, 
Um, those are negatively affecting every aspect of your day. You don't want to wake up and get excited. Who's excited to go be a nuisance? Right. Right. Or like I had this, I had it out with one of the baseball coaches in our town and, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, like a big tall woman that could beat up anybody, but I'm armed with a, a um, cell phone camera. And so <laughs> he was actually yelling at the kids. He's like, you know, what are you going to do? Go up there and strike out. And then the little kid gets up, you know, and these are like seventh, eighth eight-year-olds like they're you know we're not talking you know major leaguers and this yeah. one little little kid goes up he's going up to bat and he goes look at look at just if you don't do anything just don't strike out don't strike out don't strike out and i started filming him and then he looks at me and he goes what are you doing and i'm like i'm watching you program him to strike out yeah because you didn't hear like you know the only thing you shouldn't do but just don't strike out strike out strike out so what is he telling the kid he's programming him to strike out and i had talked to this coach a couple times that his methodology of of fear based isn't working and what do you hear when you hear that you didn't hear the don't you didn't focus on the don't all you heard was strike out strike out strike out so we just program that kid to do his best to strike out and then we're right. somehow surprised when he does Right, and I would even say to the coach, you've even programmed him, even if he didn't, even if he heard the don't, and the message he actually got the programming, don't strike out, you've actually programmed this kid to fail. Because one of the stories I tell in in my talks is the Babe Ruth story. And Babe Ruth, king of home runs at the time in baseball, 714 home runs. Baseball writers at that time often would write, uh, striking out is a shameful act. Uh, you should be ashamed if you strike out. So a lot of people would choke up on the bat, make the bat shorter, and take a little punch swing at something just to make contact. But not Babe Ruth. He still swung for the fences. So he also had over 1,330 strikeouts, more than double the number of strikeouts. So that he was the king of striking out as well as the king of home runs. You cannot, the most successful people out there have actually failed more than anyone else. So how can you change failure? How can you change striking out to be something positive or not something so negative? Well, I think, you know, in, in tech, striking out is where most of our new innovations come from. It's just a mindset. You know, we know that we're creating something that hasn't existed ever before in human history. So, yeah, there's a little pressure on your shoulders. But realistically, we're there to create something. So failure is just part of the process. Failure is a huge part of the process. And I think even part of Disney was fail forward, um, fail, increase your failure rate. Now, I say for like for a parenting example, and even as a, an uh, employer hiring someone, you want to put a net underneath someone. You want to make it a safe for them to fail. And if you make it safe for them to fail, my gosh, you can help people succeed at the end level. Kids that are not worried about striking out that go up there and swing just fully focused on the ball, they're so much more likely to hit the ball and succeed. And if, if you want to be a superstar in baseball – Three, three and ten, and you're a multimillionaire in the professional level. Three successes, seven failures. If if you want to be Hall of Fame, uh, four and ten, and you would be the the number one average in all of baseball. Four successes out of uh, ten. Well, and what do people focus on in that? They don't focus on the strikeouts. They stri- They focus on the hits. Nobody walks around and goes, you. 
I think uh, Sandra was talking about uh, not focusing on, um, you know, what you did wrong. So the Babe Ruth story, again, is so powerful to me, is if you focus on what's working, you're going to tend to get more of what's working. If you focus on what's wrong in your life, you're going to tend to get more of that. And so I would encourage all the people out there that have listened to us today is write down your fears. Write down all the things that, you know, suck in your life, all the so-called limiting beliefs. Those are all the programmings you can let go of. And can you find an alternative program to replace that? So, again, don't just create it into nowhere, create a vacuum where um, some other negative comes back. Let's replace it with something powerful. Well, that's it. It's like, you know, when a shoe doesn't fit anymore or your pants don't fit anymore or your, you know, T-shirt is faded from too many launderings, we we don't have most of us, I should say, <laughs> after watching Hoarders, we know that there's people out there. But most of us know it's time to get new stuff. Well, as we grow... It's, it's really important we take care of our bodies. You know, we have to also take care of our minds, and so it's time to get some new thoughts. Beautifully said. We, and, and anyone out there uh, can get a new thought. And if you're saying, no, I can't, I'm stuck the way I am, that's a story. That's a program. And it's a story you can change. You could say, I change it with, I used to think I couldn't change, but now I know I can change anything I put my mind to and my energy to. Well, and think about how many thoughts you think in a given day. Like oh I, you know, yeah. you know, we have a thoughts about everything from the propel that's on our desk to somebody's business card that, you know, their picture was taken 25 years ago. You know, we, we have all these thoughts that come through, but most of them are meaningless. And it's important for us to find the meaningful thoughts that we're having that actually affect our behavior because and that's why like you know with the example of you know take your notebook out and and put yourself in a situation where you're uncomfortable you know don't do this when you're watching the Yankees win you know that's (laughs) not really going to be productive but if you're sitting there thinking about what your next steps will be for whatever it is you're trying to achieve put yourself in that place and believe me all of those beliefs will come flying out like bats out of a cave yeah, and you want to see those bats because oftentimes, we don't, like you said earlier, we don't know these uh, limiting beliefs that are affecting them because we're on autopilot. We're, going, we're driving to work on a path we've been to all the time, and we can't even remember half of it. So this autopilot is incredible, powerful, and let's start putting good programs into that autopilot. Well, and never underestimate how willing the human being is to avoid things. Like Michael Singer wrote a book called The Untethered Soul, and he calls them thorns. Like, you know, the the, the, the lion has a paw, a thorn in his paw, so he'll walk a mile on three feet you know, just to avoid touching that tender part of his paw that has the thorn in it. But at no point does he pull the thorn out. Now, fair enough, a lion doesn't have thumbs, so it's kind of hard to pull out his own thorn. But we have all these thorns in us, and we will go to great lengths to avoid things that make us feel uncomfortable, that make us feel insecure. And most of those discomforts and insecurities are rooted in these thoughts and these these you know weird ideas we got in our heads somehow when we were 10 or 20 that are still in play today. That's, that's such another powerful example. If, if we look at it, that we're the line that is full of these thorns that we're we're living such a lesser life because we're afraid to touch on all these thorns that have made powerful. Um, so if we can become, you know, let go of some of this incredibly negative programming. And one of the things I wanted to make, you look at almost all romantic movies, 
romantic movies work because someone's making a bad assumption. Oh. Almost everyone, you go, oh my gosh, they're meant to be together, but someone makes a bad assumption, just their programming, instead of asking them, do you really feel as, as uh, deeply about that other person as you do me? Oh no, that's just my, that's my sister or, or my cousin <laughs> or whatever the thing is. So a bad assumption turns into this incredible drama and then they solve the issue in the end. If we would make good assumptions about the people we love, that would change a lot of uh, negativity or drama in our life. Well, and I'm going to take it one step further and think, uh, you know, we need to change it in ourselves, too, because there was a time when I was staying yes. up all night editing Chris, and I had to go pick up my kid from kindergarten, and I accidentally drew all over my face with a pink highlighter. Um, <laughs> you know, because I was working, and I would, like, yeah. you know, kind of nod off and draw, draw on my yeah. forehead. There you go, baby. Yep. That's why they stretched it. Um, but I had all this marker on my face, and then when I went to pick up my kids, the people looked like I was, like, some homeless lady walking in to steal a kid. And um, years later, you know, I, I would always carry that stigma of every time I walked through that door, I'd feel like that, you know, hagged out overtired, you know, up all night working mom that drew on her own face. And then it wasn't until years later that somebody said, oh, my gosh, she goes, are you the lady that that with the marker? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I said, I'm the one that drew on my own face and came to pick up my kids. And then I just laughed right out loud. And and it, it disappeared, like because I owned it, because it became part of me. It's part of my narrative instead of feeling ashamed. And she's like, oh, gosh, like I felt so sorry for you. She goes, I know what that's like. You're up all night working and you're trying and you just run out the door. You don't even look in the mirror. And here I was met with compassion and grace. And then I had been carrying around this big, heavy ball of shame. Yeah, th that is so beautifully said. It, it's kind of your line example and this example. I use, you know, I was afraid there was a monster under my bed as a kid. And if if I didn't turn on the lights and didn't look under there, I could be afraid almost all night until I just finally fell asleep. But if you turn on the lights, look under the bed, there's no real monster. It's not even real. So I, I think that's one of the lessons. Run towards those things that scare you people um, because they're not even real. They're not even real. Most of the things we think about, we think about ourselves, we think about other people. They're not just, um, they're not fact. They're not reality. They're just stories we tell ourselves for whatever reason. All right, we're visiting today with Chris Nielsen. We will be back again next week with more from Chris Nielsen. We'll be back, uh, chrisnielsen.com. We'll be back next week with another great show. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach.